The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S. Experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com. Welcome to PQ Beat, the official podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. I'm Peter McCulley. Track and field continues to make news here in the Parksville Qualicum Beach area. Efforts are on efforts are ongoing to replace the dilapidated track at Belena's secondary. Longtime coaches Randy and Kim Longmore. Oh my God, Peter! I should have had more coffee. <laughs> I'm just going to start that again. Track and field continues to make news here in the Parksville Qualicum Beach area. Efforts are ongoing to replace the dilapidated track at Bolina Secondary. Longtime coaches Randy and Kim Ulongmuir have decided to hang up their whistles and clipboards after storied careers, and our athletes can be found performing on the world stage. Here to talk about all of that and more, we welcome in a member of Team Canada during the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. Thanks for joining us, Alicia Butterworth. Uh, thanks for having me. What initially drew you into track and field? Did you play other sports growing up? What was your favorite? How did you make the transition? Yeah, I did um, almost every sport growing up. My dad was just really into being active. And so I figure skated, I danced, I would go play tennis on the weekends with my family poorly, I might add. Um, I played <laughs> soccer, and then I was also involved in girl guides and um, and scouts and um, a bunch of a bunch of other things like that. And so I was always just really active growing up, and I would do well in the fun runs that we had in school for Terry Fox Day. Um, and then I would also uh, my dad would sign up our entire family for a couple of local road races. And it was pretty clear early on that I, um, I was a fairly good runner. And so we just kind of ran with it, as you say, and, <laughs> um, and tried to just hone in on that. And I quite enjoyed, um, I, I, I like team sports, but I, I like that um, in individual sports, you are, can directly compare yourself to yourself. So I really gravitated towards track and field and figure skating for those reasons, I think. Um, and I even, I continued figure skating until I graduated high school. And those were kind of my two main sports um, through high school. And of all those sports that you played, did you have a favorite? Other than the track and field, obviously. <laughs> uh, I really, I really enjoyed figure skating. I also enjoyed soccer. Uh, before my family moved to Parksville, we lived up north in Prince Rupert, and it rained a lot. So our soccer season was only about two months of the year, and a lot of times games would get canceled because of rain. So I did really enjoy soccer, but didn't have a lot of opportunities to play it due to flood, flooded fields um, growing up. But that was another one. But once again, that was a lot of just me running back and forth. So might as well cut out the middleman. <laughs> At what point did you realize you might have something special with the track and field? Uh, I would say pretty early on. Um, I 
from from a young age, it was just very clear that I clicked pretty well with running. And like I said, when my family was doing road races um, all as a family, I was already doing quite well in them, and I was around 10 years old. Um, and so it was just it was something it was very clear early on that I had a competitive drive that uh, made me want to continue to better my best times and that I just kind of had a natural talent for running. Can you take us through the progression of your running career, essentially from the time you left Bolinas to, I guess, the University of Idaho? Yeah, so I went to University of Idaho for track and cross country after graduating Bolinas and um, competed in the NCAA there. That was always a really big goal of mine was to go to an NCAA school because they have really good sports funding. And I also didn't want to go too far from home. And the University of Idaho was uh, driving distance. And so it was just a good fit for me. It was also a smaller school and coming from a smaller town. I liked that atmosphere as well. Um, and then um, after graduating university, I decided I wanted to continue to run. I felt like um, that I was still hadn't hit my peak yet. University of Idaho was a developmental running school, which means they, um, they don't try to just get you necessarily to peak and then burn out in university. They want to make it so that uh, if you want to continue running after university, you're not too burnt out and that you're still just kind of growing and developing in a healthy way through your running career. And so I felt like I still had a lot to give. And um, after university, I moved down to um, Southern Idaho and continued running with a group down there and then eventually came back to Canada and I'm now running with a team here. So what drew you to the steeplechase and for the uninitiated, maybe you can walk people through what exactly it entails. So the steeplechase, uh, the long mirrors actually introduced me to it. You can't start running it until you're in grade eight. And I really wanted to make the BC summer games team, which is for grade eight and grade nine kids. And I wasn't quite good enough to make it in the flat running events. The island had a really competitive team that year and a lot of really good girls in that age group. And so they decided to start me on steeplechase because they felt as though it could be a good fit for me and that um, that it might be an opportunity for me to make the BC Summer Games team. And sure enough, it, it was. I did. I was able to make that team in there and I also broke the provincial grade eight record at the time for the 1500 steeplechase. And I think I was really drawn to it because um, coming from also a figure skating background, I love jumping and figure skating. And so running and jumping felt fairly natural to me as well and didn't tire me out too much. Um, the way I like to explain steeplechase is it's essentially like a long distance hurdle race um, is the easiest way to explain it. And then obviously though, we have one water pit per lap, which you um, jump over a barrier and the further out you jump, the less water you land in. <laughs> and then the rest, you're just hurtling kind of, like I said, like a long distance hurdles race. You've uh, long ago said that you've had a goal of representing Canada at the Olympics. What was that like walking out onto the track wearing the national uniform? It was pretty surreal. It was an interesting Olympics experience because um, 
Japan has a great uh, running community or just they love to cheer for track and field. But unfortunately, uh, they built this big, beautiful stadium and it was almost empty because they didn't allow spectators due to COVID. And so it was kind of surreal because you're out there, you're in this beautiful new stadium. There's almost no people in the stands because only fellow competitors or coaches were allowed in the stands. Um, but it, it was just, it was great to have the opportunity to represent Canada and to be able to, um, to be able to get there despite uh, some setbacks and difficulties and being able to find races during COVID. Um, it was, yeah, it was obviously a dream come true, kind of a surreal experience. And um, yeah, I hope that I can replicate it and go to, go to Paris and hopefully improve my results and have the opportunity to represent Canada at the Olympics again. COVID uh, threw a little bit of a wrench into your training program, which almost cost you a spot in Tokyo. Maybe you could share that story with us. Yeah. Um, well, I think that I actually, in some ways, benefited from it because the, if the Olympics had gone as scheduled in 2020, I was actually coming off of a stress fracture that year um, that I had in late fall of 2019. And so I wasn't actually as fit as I was in 2021. So fortunately, I was really fit going into 2021. I was coming off of no injuries. Um, I was able to put together a really good training block, but it was really difficult to find races. The border was still closed. Um, or no, it was open, but you had to quarantine when you came back. And I actually do work outside of running. And so I I didn't have... I. It would, I would have to take a full leave from work in order to go down to the U.S. to race because everyone I knew who went to the U.S. to race, they essentially went there and lived there for a few months because you can't go back and forth because you would have to quarantine every time you came back. And so my teammates and I decided that we would stay in Canada and we would try to put together the races and just work together in Canada to make it. And so myself and my teammate, Regan, who also went to the Olympics for steeplechase, um, we were lucky that we had each other to work with. And then we also had, um, and, and we were able to get some local meets that occurred in Burnaby. I, I live in Burnaby currently. And so we managed to have a couple meets in Burnaby that we were able to race at. And then um, I wasn't actually, that was when <laughs> you weren't allowed to travel outside of your zone in BC and certain athletes were allowed to, but um, I was not one of those athletes. So I wasn't allowed to travel outside of my zone. So there were even races in Victoria that my teammate was allowed to go to and I wasn't allowed to go to. So my racing opportunities were either Burnaby or you could leave the province and go to other places in Canada. And so we essentially just had the last three weeks in the qualifying window were when all of my races took place that I used to qualify. And so I had absolutely no wiggle room to have a poor race. I needed all three races in order to get myself into the rankings to qualify and fortunately I was able to do it um and but yeah it was a pretty crazy experience because it was just right down to the wire three weeks left in the qualifying period three races um and just no opportunity for mistakes (laughs) 
Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com. What's next for your career, both on and off the track? You mentioned Paris. Yeah, so I'm still, um, I was injured this year, so I didn't uh, have a track season this year, but um, I plan to come back hopefully even stronger for next year. There's world championships next year in Budapest, and then, um, so I hope to make that team, and then I hope to make the team afterwards in Paris, so those are kind of my goals right now, and then after Paris, I might reevaluate and kind of see where I'm at in my life and see whether I want to continue running competitively or um, step away from it. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping to make the next two years really, really count. And um, I'm hoping to break the Canadian record and really just have a successful couple of years with it. And then um, I currently work as a data scientist for TransLink. And so I'm just kind of continuing my career in data science um, while I run. You've been a very vocal supporter of efforts to upgrade the old Bellinas track. Why is, why do you feel the track is so important to the community? Um, I think that it can benefit not just the youth in the community, but everybody uh, living in the lower mainland where there's lots of tracks. I noticed that there's always people utilizing them just to walk and just for a safe surface to exercise. So it's not just for athletes who want to use the track to run track and field, but I think it could benefit everyone because it's a really safe surface to exercise on. Um, and it just, it gives just a really nice soft surface for everyone. And then in terms of um, youth, I think that it'll help longevity in sport for track and field athletes. I think that one of the things that, um, that Parksville has is they do have a really good track club and a really supportive track club but I think it's it's really hard to reach the university level coming off of training at a track like that you can't develop your speed as easily um, when I was hurdling I was hurdling on grass patches and so it was really kind of a tumultuous situation where I could have um, really hurt myself luckily I, I was I was quite strong at stabilizing myself I think because of my figure skating background but it just it doesn't give a lot of opportunities to develop your speed properly on that track just because it's in such terrible shape um, and I think that we would really help um, a lot of youth with their longevity in track and field because I think they'd enjoy it a lot more if they had a real track to train on. You can get a lot more out of yourself and um, and not have to worry about random tripping hazards. And I think it could just um, foster the love for track for a lot of youth um, in the area. We mentioned the Longmuirs at least twice so far in this podcast. Yeah. Do you have a message for the Longmuirs uh, retiring after all these years? What have they meant to uh, track and field in the area and especially to you? Um, well, they already know this. I've already said this to them. Uh, but I think that they really are, um, they really fostered the growth of track and field in this area. 
And for those of us who went on to run at the collegiate level and post-collegiately as well, I think it was um, a lot credited to them because they still made it fun, but they made it competitive and they nurtured every single athlete individually so that they could help reach their individual goals and whether their goals were to just have fun and enjoy it in high school or whether their goals were to make Canadian teams and compete internationally, they fostered both avenues and they always treated all their athletes with so much respect. Um, And I just got to, um, the world championships this year were in Eugene, Oregon. And because I was injured, I still went down to watch and cheer on, um, my teammates and team Canada. And, um, I actually got to see the long years there and hang out with them as well as they, um, kind of do their send off as they retire from track and field. <laughs> Alicia, if you had a message for youngsters on the Island looking to pursue track and field careers, what would it be? Um, I think what's really important is not specializing too early. I think that when you're um, a youth, when you're a child or when you're a teenager, you get a lot out of doing a lot of different things with your life. And, um, and so I would say don't, don't focus just on track and field, but enjoy other sports, enjoy other activities, non-sport activities, and really just try to have a well-rounded life. Um, and that's, I think how you're going to find the most enjoyment out of it. And then also just recruit your friends and try to have, um, your friends in it with you and it'll be a really good time and you can still be really competitive, but still have a lot of fun with it. What's the, what's next for the remainder of the summer and fall? Um, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I am coming off of an injury. So I finally put my first race for 2022 on the calendar and I'll be racing at the Canadian 5k road championships in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick in mid September. And, um, I'll still be a little bit out of shape for it, but it's a nice, uh, jump back into racing. And then I plan to do a couple of cross country races this fall as well, probably the provincial championships and then the national championships for that. And then, as I said, um, I still have big, big track goals for uh, next year and the year after. Thanks for being with us today, Alicia. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That's this edition of PQ Beat. If you have suggestions or comments, we'd like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green. Offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media.